Hello, Westlight. My name is Ronnie Okubo, and I am so excited to be part of this series. You know, when Lori invited me, my mind immediately filled with so many things that I wanted to share with you about women in the Bible. And as you can imagine, it's a topic I've grappled with a bit. And I admit, I've even struggled with who God says I am and what place I have in the church. But over and over again, I hear God's voice of love and his desire for me to use the gifts he's given me to share his love with message with his beloveds. And that's also what he wants for each of you, to live out your calling and to use your gifts to encourage one another in Christ. So we're in part four of a series dealing with the topic of what God envisions women to do in the kingdom of God. And a couple of weeks ago, Katz looked at some key passages that seem to prove that women aren't supposed to be involved in ministry leadership. Some of these passages were written by the Apostle Paul. And if you take the passages at face value, it could look like Paul didn't think highly of women. So we're going to dive back into the New Testament and look at a few of Paul's co-workers who were women. Scott McKnight, a New Testament scholar, asks this question when discussing women in ministry roles. And he asks, what did women do in Bible times? So today we're going to do that. And I'm going to introduce you to two women from the New Testament, whom I'm going to guess you may not have heard of before. So these women are found in the last chapter of Romans, chapter 16. This book was written by Paul, and it's a theologically dense book. Like if you've done a study of this book, it may take you like a whole year. And by the time you get to chapter 16, you are done. Like stick a fork in it, done. And there are a lot of truths to take in on this book, which is why chapter 16 is often glossed over. And that it contains a list of names doesn't help. It's just not exciting. But since we aren't finishing a long study of Romans, I think our minds are fresh enough to take a look at this list of names and look behind the curtain, so to speak, at the significance of the people Paul lists. So reading from Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Cancrea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, who work with me in Christ Jesus, and who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first convert in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard among you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my relatives, who are in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Apollatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my beloved Stoxius. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my relative Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narsus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphenia and Tryphosa. 
Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother, a mother to me also. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches greet you. So let me break down this list of people and tell you what I find so fascinating about it. And then I'm going to further highlight two of the people named. In this chapter, Paul mentions 29 people. 19 of them are men and 10 are women. So there are two main categories that the people on this list fall into. Some are praised for their leadership role and some are just general terms. And Paul is saying, hello, of the people noted, though, for their ministry involvement. This is where I think it's very interesting. Paul names three men and seven women. And the other thing I noticed when Paul speaks about these people, he doesn't seem to be mentioning these women to make such a big point about women in church leadership. You know, having a woman in leadership wasn't maybe a rare sight to Paul. He was just naming the Roman Christians he knows. I often think in our modern eyes, we focus on things that the early church may have never concerned itself with, such as it's interesting that women have roles that are not distinguished from the men. And what this list really shows to me is the equality and also the diversity in the church. If you study the names and find out what these backgrounds are, these people are a mix of slaves, men, women, Jews, and Gentiles which if that triggers a memory of anything, it reminds me a lot of Galatians 3.28, where it says there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ. And there also doesn't seem to be a hierarchy or a power or a prestige in those who are leaders in the church. So when Paul spoke of those in leadership with him, or even when he spoke of his own role, it was all the same. I found that really interesting to ponder. So let's pivot a bit and focus on two of the women here, Phoebe and Junia. And there is so much to share about these women and, of course, the other ones that are in the text. But for the sake of keeping it brief, we're going to do a quick overview of these two. So let's flip back to Romans 16 and hear what it says about Phoebe. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Cancrea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. So who is Phoebe? Paul calls her a diakonos. And in English, we translate that as deacon or sometimes servant, depending on the translation you're reading. But it's also the same word that Paul uses to describe Timothy or other ministry colleagues. He uses it for himself. So there's some debate about what this role is in practice. But we do know being called a deacon is significant. It's an important role in the church. And again, we have to remember that the early church wasn't set up like our church is organized today. So to some in our modern church, women are called deaconesses. And what does that mean? They're the women who set up potlucks and wash up the communion ware. But Paul's not referring to a role like that. It didn't exist. (laughs) He's calling Phoebe a deacon because she had a ministry in the church. And Paul also called her a benefactor. It means she was likely a woman of financial means. She was a patron of Paul's ministry. So no man is mentioned with her. So it could be that she was single or widowed, 
We don't know for sure. But the piece I find most interesting about Phoebe is that she was the person who delivered the letter to the church in Rome. She could have been the first reader of the letter in public. The role of letter carrier meant she was also responsible to answer the questions from the Romans who heard the letter. So this actually means that she was the first commentator on Romans. So let's think about that for a moment. All of this highlights the woman of that who Phoebe was and the person that Paul entrusted. He entrusted her with this most important letter to the church in Rome. It's, it's like his magnus opus. It's his greatest letter. And he chose Phoebe to be his ambassador. She stood in his place in Rome. She was his proxy. And she would have known well the contents of that letter and would have been able to explain the letter if the church had any questions. And if you've read Romans, you know there were questions. So do you see her? The second woman I want to introduce you to is Junia. And there isn't a lot written about her in scripture. In fact, she's only mentioned in one verse. It's in Romans 16, verse 7. And it reads, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives, who were in prison with me, and they were prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. That's it. So why do I want to mention Junia? Well, among Bible scholars, there's been a debate about her gender. So if you look up Romans 16, 7 in different translations, and I challenge you to go do that, maybe find a couple of Bibles and take a look, you're going to find that Junia is named Junius sometimes, and it gives this name a masculine form. Or sometimes there's a footnote that will say Junia or Junius. So I could get all nerdy on you about biblical scholarship, and I don't want to bore you, but here's a quick review of the debate. At some point in the medieval period, the name was changed from Junia to Junius, which is a masculine form. And it seemed questionable to the uh, scribes of the day that women could be apostles. So how could this name be feminine? But more recent scholarship has discovered a tsunami of evidence that Junia was a woman. And when I say recent, I mean like in the last 20 years. I remember this like firing up all the conversations I had in seminary. So it would be irresponsible to not ask, what did this role of apostle mean for Junia and Adronicus? Well, in the Bible, there's many kinds of apostles that are mentioned. You're probably most familiar with the 12 apostles appointed by Jesus. The apostles that Junia and Adronicus were, were like lesser apostles. They were like traveling missionaries. They were likely involved in evangelizing, teaching, preaching, establishing, and leading churches. And overall, they had noted gifts from God, and they were used for God's glory. Christosom, an early church father who lived in the three and four hundreds, wrote this about Junia. Greet Adronicus and Junia, who are outstanding among the apostles. To be an apostle is something great, but to be outstanding among the apostles, just think what a wonderful song of praise that is. They were outstanding on the basis of their works and virtuous actions. Indeed, how great the wisdom of this woman must have been that she was even deemed worthy of the title of apostle. So what can we learn from Romans 16? Again, I don't think Paul is trying to make a gender statement here. I doubt he tallied up the names and went, whoa, maybe I'm praising too many women. I think he was just noting the leaders of the house churches in Rome, and some happened to be women. But I think this list supports Paul's message of oneness that appears many times in his epistles that the church is most vibrant 
when women and men serve together, when everyone exercises the gifts given to him or her for the glory of God. Ben Witherington says that what we see here is a picture of a vibrant, multifaceted church at the heart of the empire, using gifts and graces of both men and women to further spread the gospel and the church. And what makes it so vibrant? Well, we see them experiencing heaven together. And that Romans 16 is such an example of that. Men and women as co-laborers in Christ. You know, each of you is made in the image of Christ. And because of you, we get a glimpse of who God the Father is. And together, we are the bride of Christ. And if a part of the bride doesn't feel welcome to the table, we can't have a marriage. And together, we experience heaven. We can't do it alone. So I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I want to be a part of the church like that. A place where everyone is celebrated for the gifts that God has given. Paul valued the ministry of women, and many were his co-workers. When Paul lists ministries, he never limits them to one gender. So one of such lists of these ministries is found in Romans 12, 6 through 8. Hear these words and be encouraged to use your gifts for the kingdom. So Paul writes, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it's in serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You have all been given unique gifts, so use them to build up one another in the Lord. Amen.